Hi friends, I'm Adrian File. And I'm John File. And welcome to the Love the Process podcast. We've been married 17 years, 16 or so good ones, and we have four awesome kids. My career has centered around process improvement and leadership development. And I've been an entrepreneur since I was four and currently an owner and CEO of an insurance company and corporate training team. We are working to become better versions of ourselves every day. And we invite you to join us as we share our journey and the lessons we have learned in life, business, and figuring out how to love the process to becoming great. Let's go. <laughs> hey, friends. It's good to be with you. It's been a couple weeks, so we're so happy to be back. We have a guest with us today. We have Jeff Rogers, and John described Jeff earlier as being one of the most well-connected businessmen in the Seattle area. <laughs> Jeff, you could give us a little introduction into who you are and what you love. Sure. Well, let me start on connection. You know, I think when it's all said and done, right, if we look back, being connected could be fine. Mm. Uh, I would hope that we were good stewards of relationships. Mm. So good. Right? Because connection is fine. If you look on LinkedIn, you can see how many connections someone has. Right. It's interesting in my LinkedIn, I only have people I've met in person. Right. I don't have anybody in there I don't know because... I want to be known for relationships mm. or building community, not transactions, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Transactions come and go. Mm. So let's see, in levering off your introduction, <laughs> Amy and I have been together 41, 41 years, married 36. You'll have to ask her how many good ones, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but I do remember our 25th. Mm. And I was having coffee with a gentleman, Jeremy Valorand. Mm. And it was my 25th anniversary that day. Mm. And he said, you're having coffee on your anniversary, actually on the day? I'm like, yeah. And if you knew the day we needed to celebrate, like in a different season. And he said, 25 good years. That's amazing. <laughs> I said, Jeremy, okay, <laughs> hold on a minute. <laughs> Let's say 10 great years. <laughs> 10 good years, three that were really trying, and two were from the underworld, right? Where, and uh, both of those two were kind of caused by catalytic events. And so that's part of life, right? Mm. Of being real and, and open. And so uh, in that uh, 36 years of marriage, we have three kids mm. uh, 24, she's an engineer, 28, she works in a preventative anti trafficking organization mm. and uh 33 she's uh works for an ai company out of tel aviv and so lives in las wow. vegas so mm. let's see um i would look to say that vocationally really there are uh, a couple things that come together but what's central is we serve privately held companies uh with boomers predominantly who are going to transition that are mm. trying to figure out what to do next with their company. Mm. And so we've worked with about 450 private companies and our company is called one accord, mm -hmm. one accord.co. And then we have an investment bank once in a while, those will want to sell and we can take them to market. And we have a private equity group called legato and who our mission is to be training up 50 emerging leaders in five companies at any one time over five years. So that's a private equity arm. But but central to all of that is serving privately held companies. And then there's a number of avocational things I'm involved with too, but we'll let that evolve, you know, through the podcast. How's that? So let's like that sounds great. Let's go backwards. Relationships. 
I love, I, <laughs> you know, everything uh, we've done, probably, for better or for worse in our life, has been by referral and mm -hmm. relationship. And um, I would love... Including getting married. Including getting married. That's a relationship, met. I hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. By referral. When we first oh. met, my brother said, that is one of the smartest guys I've ever met about John. And I had just met, I had just introduced him. My mm. brother does not give compliments easily. That's a nice endorsement. That's <laughs> yeah, a great so right way to away, start. I was like, oh, this guy's interesting to me. That's cool. <laughs> I was, uh, and she was 16, I was 19, I was heading to Whistler, and four hours later, I said, man, my best man to be in my wedding, I said, she is perfect for me. I said, I'm going to marry her one day. And sure enough, I moved with Bellingham. She came up. We became friends, and we got married, and here we are. And so why I'm excited, I agree, connection is too loose of a term. But why I'm excited for Jeff to be here is you are a relationship guy, and, and you build and, and, and move things. You know, I think about connectivity and electricity. Like, if, if it's not connected... It's a game changer. So, you know, when, when somebody's got vitality through somebody who cares and wants the best for them, which mm -hmm. has always been my experience with Jeff, um, it's a game changer. Mm -hmm. and, and we need more of that in the world today. And so I'd be curious, you know, where you got that from? Were you born with it? Were you always a relationship builder? Yeah. So I, I will give you a very specific answer to where I think that became... Uh, a recognition or cognition that I had. But hmm. I'll tell you kind of an interesting story. Have I always had that? There's a gentleman, his name is Dr. John Samuel. And John did his PhD, interestingly, in missionary burnout. And interesting background, John is Indian from, from India. Okay, his parents are both medical doctors. Hmm. They moved when he was young to Indonesia to an all-Muslim area where he was Indian, but Christian, okay? Hmm. So his name, John Samuel, his line traces back, supposedly from what he said, to the disciple or apostle Thomas, hmm. who evangelized this area where there are like 30 million Christians in India. So he came from there. And so he moved to Indonesia, but he moved to an area that was violent towards Christians. But because his parents were both doctors then they were permitted to live there and practice medicine and so on. So he said he would see missionaries come and go all the time. And he, and he started to look, to, he kind of thought most were probably never really supposed to be missionaries. He said, once in a while I meet mm. someone like you met Adrian, mm. you're like, that's it, <laughs> right? You knew. He could kind of tell, nah, they were doing this because they were supposed to mm. or they thought they should. But you could kind of tell growing up which ones are going to make it or not. So then he went and got his PhD on, on missionary burnout. And what he found is through a process, which I'll explain because I love the process, right? Let's go. <laughs> is that uh, a process can determine really who we are designed to be. And as you look at your four kids, you can mm. probably see from the time there, I would say three, but maybe even one or two, mm. you know, who's artistic, who's musical, who's mathematical, who's funny, who's mm. quiet, right? You can see those attributes at the outset. So we can come back to this question if you want more on his process, but he's determined a way of really saying, how are you uniquely wired or gifted? to then align your vocation with that. Mm. He confirmed to me, I went through his process, 
who really I am in my identity. And it validated what I thought to be true. But it was really at that point, which I was in my 40s, that it was here scientifically actually validating what you have believed to be true. Now, I'll give you where the belief started that I recognized it. Mm. When I was in college, I worked for a company called Southwestern out of Nashville, and I sold educational books door to door. So I've <laughs> knocked, I think, on a roughly around 30,000 doors cold in 10 years. How many doors, that's, how many doors to get a sale? Skill. What was the average? Uh, I would average about five out of 20. Wow. So, but I would probably knock on 50 or 60 to have 20 answer. Pr- no, 20 presentations. Okay. I would do 20 presentations okay. a day, 20 to 25 a day. Mm. So I'd have to knock on 50 or 60 where they were home. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. those other ones said no. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. But out of 20, I get like five. Yeah. It's 14 hours a day, six days a week for 10 years for wow. school. So uh, I ran teams when I was a college student going to UW doing that. And we would be in different places in different summers. I was in Dallas two different summers. And my fourth summer, there was this guy that ran a small group at this church. Now, I was with a group of students from UW, and faith was not really part of the equation. But I'm like, we're going to go listen to this guy. He's going to do a small group lesson on Sunday, and we'll have our get-together as a team after our little sales meeting. Then we'll see a movie or go to a lake or go play or do whatever we do on our one day off. And so that small group leader was Zig Ziglar. Oh my gosh. So he was actually my small group leader. Oh my gosh. Okay. It's like John's dream. So it was... Yeah. I got to know him really well. And I used to listen to his CDs when I was in, in high school. His, yeah, and I listened to his I listened to his tapes. His eight tracks? Not eight tracks, cassettes. Come on now. Yeah, not the big Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So he said something I bought mm. into hook, line, and sinker. I believed it to be true. And it shaped, I really think, my entire career. Mm. And he said, You'll get everything you want out of life. Mm. If you'll just help enough other people get what they want. Yeah. So I was like, oh, so my job is to figure out what other people want. Mm. And if I help enough of those, I'll do well. Now, correct or incorrect, I bought it. Yep. So there is my genesis <clears throat> of being in relationship mm. and being curious. Mm. Like, what's the other person want? Some. Often they don't know. Mm-hmm. You have to dig and prod and help people, like, and um, kind of unearth what's in there. But that means it's more about curiosity. It's not a pitch. Like mm-hmm. you're not trying to sell anything, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You're just trying to discover what they want. And then if what you have doesn't match what they want, you don't even have to go down that road. Mm-hmm. There's no mm-hmm. pressure. Like why pitch something? You already know it doesn't fit. But if it does, then you you've like a hand in a glove, right? You've already seen it come together. So yeah. Zig Ziglar Zig. would be my answer. <laughs> but then it got confirmed by Dr. John Samuel in my 40s mm. of, oh, this is actually how you're made. So how old would Zig have been at that time? <laughs> yeah. I know he lived to be about 85. Uh, so this would be 1983 and four. We could go back and yeah. figure that out. I yeah. would say in his 50s. That's awesome. Maybe wow. 60s. Yeah, so he'd written See You at the Top. Oh, yeah. So you knew who he was. 
Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah. No, I knew who he was. Yeah. What was interesting is, and this is not to have a faith construct or not, um, yeah. but just to kind of give background, he had become a new believer Christian, yeah. the year before that. Mm. Yeah. No one knew who he was in the church. Yeah. So we're going to this church. W.A. Criswell was pastor. 25,000 people would go on a Sunday. <laughs> no one would show up to a small group. Because they're like, who is this guy? Sells pots and pans. Like, what, what's up with this? So my whole sales team would show up. We'd be the only ones in there. Uh, what a great And story. so he got to know us, and Gene is redhead. And, and, yeah, uh, so yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. He said. So that anyways. Southern draw. Yeah. yeah. Him and Norman Vincent Peale. Dr. Norman Vincent yeah. Peale. Right. Two believers who really motivated a lot of people to do Napoleon Hill. Napoleon Hill. Some yep. of the early. Yeah. Right. Yep. How fun. Okay, so Zig Ziglar is, so is, is and, and that idea, I think so many, I've read it, you know, help enough people get what they want. You yeah. have anything you want. How does that practically play out for mm -hmm. you? I've seen it, but I want our listeners to hear so they can take some yeah, ideas and implement, sense. you know, that into their. Sure. Yeah. Can I ask you guys a question? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So describe your listeners to me. Who's the audience? Oh, okay, so I have an uh, eighth grader in uh, Richland who called me one time after we did uh, a study or a uh, topic called 1440. Called me out of the blue. I think my number was in the show notes. He said, I'm curious, John, if I'm playing too much Fortnite. First of all, I said, you're in eighth grade and you're, and you're listening to our podcast. Jonathan, you are on the right track. Yeah, you're ahead <laughs> okay. already. You're, okay. you, you're okay. at least... The, the but if you have an inclination that you're spending too many of your 1,440 minutes a day on... Fight Fortnite, you probably are. Right. Okay. So <laughs> right. we have Jonathan, two uh, retirees and, and, and grandmothers, and a lot of professional mm -hmm. folks who have either been through One Mission Mindset, know of us, know of uh, our community, and, and have been told about the podcast. So it is a broad demographic, okay. but especially the aspiring, oftentimes when people think love the process or they look it up, and they go, love the process. I'm going to listen to that. They know there needs, there, there's, a, there's something that needs to be tweaked or they mm -hmm. sense a gap mm -hmm. in possibility right. in, in the outcomes that they're getting. So okay. that's, they're looking, yeah. they're trying to improve themselves. Yeah, yeah. Self-improvement. I mean, people who would listen to Zig would listen to, to listen to us. It, and I would think often be tied to some vocational aspect of trying to improve in that role, right? Could be an athlete. Yeah. Could be yeah. someone yep. Yep. that's a musician. Could be a lot of things. Mm -hmm. But it's often going to be someone who's in a role trying to figure out how to get better at it. Yep. Mm -hmm. Vocationally, okay. athletics, entertainment, people who are on the come up and the comeback, I call it. <laughs> that's, that's my favorite listener. The come ups and the comebacks, like you know, they're okay searching for answers because whatever they were doing at high speed typically didn't work. And now they're pivoting. Well, yeah, I, I guess I will. Um, okay, with that context, yeah, here's a a thought. So first of all, uh, a story. When I was going door to door, I was a, a manager, and I didn't think I was a very good manager. You know, you could ask the people I that worked with me, but I, I figured out I could lead, meaning I could mm. set an example. Mm. I wasn't sure how effective I could manage people. I was mm. in my early 20s. And so I would go to the field as a manager and I'd work with people going 
going door to door. And most of the managers I worked with would be in the office on the phone, now on Zoom. Mm -hmm. But I was just out on the field. And mm -hmm. I went several years longer doing it that way. And I was mm. working with a young man, Corey Smith, in Toronto. And we were in this really nice area. And Corey runs up to a door. And he, he knocks and he turns around and he looks at me. He goes, hey, Jeff. I go, what? He goes, it's hard to be nervous when your mind's on service. <laughs> <laughs> He goes, but it's easy to smile when you got so much style. <laughs> okay. So it's th that's another pivotal mm. time that stuck with me. Mm. It really is hard to be nervous if your mind's on service. Mm. Because if you're nervous, it's probably because you're thinking about you or your outcome. Mm. It's the antithesis of what Zig said. Mm. It's The antithesis would be, how could I get from this person what I want towards my objective, mm. right? Mm. But Zig says it's about their objective. Corey was saying it's about what would serve them, mm. right? And so as we're in this really nice neighborhood of Markham, Ontario, and he's knocking on doors, he's reminding himself to serve, not sell. Mm. And so I would go back to mm. just in a very basic level, most are roles have some form of transaction to them. In mm -hmm. other words, you get paid based on whether you deliver code as a coder mm -hmm. or you find a diagnosis as a doctor, right? Or you're a salesperson and you find a need and you have a product or service, but you're putting two things together that there's an exchange of value and then that value creation, yeah. right? Then there's you advance what your objectives are. But the problem in a mindset is that's really what can I get from Adrian mm -hmm. that would help me attain my goal? I want right. to make President's Club. I want the chairman trip. I want the next level. I get to go. I get the, the bonus, right? And so it causes us then to go into the relationship with, can I somehow find a way to weave in what I have into what is seemingly like a nondescript conversation, but it's actually almost contrived mm. because mm. I'm there to advance my initiative. Mm -hmm. So if we take a, a, a more holistic approach and say, I want to really know what Adrienne wants, like what's important to her, what she value, where she trying to go. What it does is it makes that initial meeting much more of a, a discovery process and a listening process, John, mm -hmm. like you're doing here of taking notes and mm -hmm. thinking and then if something jumps out related to what she's telling me she wants that fits what I have, that's fine. I can share it. Mm -hmm. But I might even share it in another meeting. I might be mm -hmm. like, you know what, Adrian, you brought up something that kind of seems to dovetail with what I do. But I'd like to learn a little bit more of your story and how you got here. And could you pick up on that one point you said about one of your kids or something and go back to them if you have the latitude in your time frame and your schedule to be mm. able to do that, right? Some jobs wouldn't allow that another meeting, mm. but still it comes from a heart of serving and listening mm. instead of transaction. Mm. And it takes the pressure off. So I think what I would say is be it if you're a coach, you know, or you're a teacher or you're a salesperson or you're an engineer, if you're thinking about how can what I do better what where they want to go? Mm -hmm. mm. It reframes the way you're thinking. Mm -hmm. So even I remember our daughter 
is she had finished her MBA and she was looking for what she was going to do in her career. I said, realize, Lauren, you're going to probably meet more CEOs in this interview process than the typical CEO is going to meet themselves in a year because hmm. hmm. they're so busy running their thing. Why don't you just ask them, by the way, as I'm out meeting different business owners, is there anything I could be listening for that I could make an introduction for what you do mm. just because I'm going to meet leaders. Mm. And she had a situation, I think it was Zoo Lily, where she sent a note back to the CEO. Hey, I met so-and-so, and you told me you'd love to meet. Well, here's an introduction. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and awesome. sure enough, the interview followed right after yeah. that that Lauren <laughs> would like. Yeah. But she was listening to what that person wanted first before asking for the next step interview. Mm. So have you know have you noticed any I feel like our culture has gotten very quick. Oh gosh, yes. So have you noticed any sort of changes on relationships and I guess just the importance of actual real authentic connection when we are moving really quickly. Uh, you know um, there's a university I feel really strongly about the good they're doing in our community. It's Northwest mm. University. And mm. I've told friends that the more they stay true to who they are, the light shines brighter, but not because it's getting brighter, but the culture is darker. Mm. And so the contrast is more acute, mm. right? So the light shines more as culture seems to shift away from foundational truths. I think the same thing in a world like this that is like that, mm -hmm. it, one of the things you ask is, even with Love the Process or in the insurance business, is how do we differentiate from our competition? Well, the very fact is if you slow down and listen, mm -hmm. hmm, maybe all of a sudden you differentiate just by the fact you don't look like everyone yeah. else and what they're doing. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's Yet... In reality, I sit here and my cell phone's sitting right in front of me and John's <laughs> is over there, right? Who got the same cover. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's also reality. of. I, I said to my dad that owned a company, he passed away a few years ago. I said, you know, there's two things different than when you owned your business. And one of those two things I said to me owning a business today is my job is never done. Mm. I right. never am totally unplugged right, unless right. I purposely disconnect yeah. and sit out of office. My dad used to come home mm -hmm. and it was done. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Unless someone had her home phone number, yeah. mm -hmm. there was no LinkedIn, text, cell phone, right? All these different things. So I think it does take more discipline and rigor now, mm -hmm. right? To mm -hmm. not fall into that. And yet I will confess, and if my lovely wife, Amy, were here, that's probably the single biggest struggle that we have mm -hmm. in our relationship and in our roles today is the pace of the number of things going on. Mm -hmm. So it's also a truism. It's super hard. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. good. You know, uh, it is hard. one of the stories uh, <laughs> that I mm -hmm. tell often, our team uses uh, Ron Willingham, Integrity Selling. Yep. Principal life, largest life company or highest volume life producer. They use Integrity Selling processes. And so when it's, I'm 23, start my first job in insurance, win the sales contest. And normally they took you to lunch every month. And I was a little cocky at 23. And so my manager at the time said, it's not going to be lunch, but I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a book. And the book he gives me is a book by Bob Berg. Bob has now written The Go-Giver, which we oh, sure. have given 
hundreds of copies out and Bob will text and email. He doesn't talk a lot. He's high demand of, of his time, but, but I tell him that story because it's been so formidable on me. So the go-giver coupled with a book called this book that I win at this contest was called, or it was called endless referrals, but then coupled with uh, integrity selling, which is needs based uh, mm-hmm. approach, which is what you're talking about. And so when we're talking about love, the process, and I think so many people, um, I love the line. Uh, it's hard to be nervous when you're in service, right? When your mind's on your service. Mind, it's hard to be nervous <laughs> if your mind's on service. And, and uh, you know, it's interesting in, in athletics, um, I train a, a number of teams and, and organizations. And, and one of the things psychologically, actually, right before they go out of the tunnel or they go to compete is a gut check to the player. If you've put in a ton of work, a ton of work, and you're most interested in it, there's only going to be one winner. Mm-hmm. We, went, we were at the Alamo Bowl. Uh, Texas did not win. Okay. And uh, <laughs> that was a happy victory for That the was Huskies, a happy victory it? for kind Dog Nation. Su- oh my gosh, there was like 95% orange and just. Oh, but we were purple. tough. <laughs> we were tough. Hey, Tiger, Tiger warmed up the motorcycle on the motorcade for the one bus on the way down there. In San I had Husky gear forever. The yeah, whole family yeah. all lined up, and he insisted on wearing his police costume. Oh, good. Well, that's <laughs> so good. then the cops, figured, the cops <laughs> figured it would be his job to get on the motorcycle. And anyway, but they, the, the point is, in that context, I actually tell athletes, if you're not nervous, you probably didn't put in enough work. Because when you put in a, in that context, mm-hmm. when you put in the sure. work and you're ready to go to battle, it gets time to go. And I, I think, though, to your point in the context of relationships, it shouldn't be that way. It should not right. be that way. It right. should be uh, free-flowing. And so but the process I'm curious about, I mean, I don't know how many coffees. I mean, he's got an office down in Kirkland, Zoka Coffee. And, That's right. Uh, call it his office. And... Uh, always doing what you're describing. So you're, you're still leading. You know, mm-hmm. you say, I'm not a manager, I'm a leader. You're still leading. You know, we, we go to the, the club and, and, and I can hardly keep up with this workout. You know, he, <laughs> and, and so. It just looks hard because it doesn't take very long for me to be sweaty and breathing hard. It's like and I'm a couple about two of minutes in. And decades I'm... younger, okay, I think. And so you... You've developed a process, is my point, that I would love to hear anything that you can impart. You know, just this morning, a guy on my team, he's asking me about, you know, uh, a new calendar, right? A new performance calendar or, or tool to help him do the things that he knows he needs to do okay. to serve the same ideas that, you know, we teach. Endless referrals, integrity selling, help fill the need, be of service, show up. Focus, discipline, and optimism, all these things that we teach mm-hmm. and impart on our team. But he's looking for, and everybody on here, so that's the other thing, yes, about who our audience, they're all looking for something that, to, that they could do today, that they could impart in their 1,440 minutes, 168 hours a week, that they could impart in their routine. The process is often about routine. You mm-hmm. know, we talk about uh, spiritual matters, and the word spiritual is the word ritual. What is your ritual what are the things that you do consistently that develop you and grow you over time and your ability to be impactful in this way so that'd be curious because i mean jeff said uh you know it's amazing we're in town and it's fun to see me yet at the same time i mean jeff feels like he's everywhere we get a text right before this podcast starts connecting like 
four different dots of a conversation we were having in the hallway. I mean, right. so there, there's <laughs> small world. It's a small world after all, but there's something that you, you, you do well that I think young leaders aspiring to be like myself and you guys are in the business of growing 50 emerging leaders right mm-hmm. now with legato, mm-hmm. which, which legato means, what's well, it? In Latin, Latin means legacy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So you, Jeff said, like in the 4.0, I call it 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, 4.0, start to think about how do we build things that last? And you've built a number of things, Kairos, which mm-hmm. I'd love to talk about at some point. But what is your process daily? Like what does your daily routine look like? to accomplish the things that you're, you're, you're able to accomplish in people's lives and mm-hmm. in, in, in the impact. So I'm going to give um, two, two stories here. Feel free to interrupt, interject as, as we're going. Yeah. Uh, because what I want to address is, which I think is a sustainable approach to how do I create routines, mm. right? Mm. What are those routines that cause us to be successful? Because right. you'll find, I'm not saying you'll find, we all find is you interview and talk with people that have been successful, however you define success, but right. take whatever it is and say they're just above average at that thing. Right. Most often there's a routine behind it mm. that isn't met by most people's understanding of what that person did to get there. They just see the fruit of it, but right. they don't understand. <laughs> the product. Yeah. yeah. And even I remember watching that documentary or show on Michael Jackson that was on Netflix Mm. and it was showing him working on the routines and he was the attention to detail that he had with the sound engineers and the cameras and every little aspect was so refined. So you saw him dance during the show, but you didn't realize the amount of not just talent, but just pure diligence he yeah. put into the process. Beyonce too, yeah. Mm. It was just yeah. eye-opening to mm. me. And you yeah. find that with race car drivers yeah. and wide receivers and right scientists and code writers and so on. So Jeff, I will Jeff give you- Jeff drives race cars, by the way. Did you know that? He drives them fast. Seriously? I do. Yeah, gosh, I, you are multi-talented. Well, it doesn't say I do it well. <laughs> <laughs> they go fast though. It says I'm in a race car, right? Yeah. You have to see how I do. So- but I want to go back to a process. Mm. So my prior job that I was in from 1980 to 99, I worked with roughly about three to 400 college students a year at 40 universities across Canada and Western U.S. So that was 80 to 2000. 2000, I started one accord. Mm. 2000 till today, I've done that. So I've only had two jobs. Now, you may say I'm an entrepreneur. There are several things within one accord we've done, but really there's been two companies. So that first 20 years, I worked with college students, and I had 300 a year, so I had a pretty good-sized sample group related mm-hmm. to performance. It's a 100% mm-hmm. commission sales job. Right. Okay, you, don't you, had sell, to move, you don't eat. Correct. Yeah. And you had to move to a different part of country, pay your own expenses away from home. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you didn't sell, you didn't <laughs> eat. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So... I would look at these the students that I worked with when they're back on campus, and while some would thrive and others would struggle, started to examine, like, well, what caused some to be successful and others not? Because it didn't seem to be talent. Mm. Right. right. It didn't seem From to be From the outside, loves. they both look the same. Yeah. Yeah, and they're obviously at least at a certain mindset to be able to arrive in a college campus, mm. right? Right. So what determined... And I started to look for correlation. And the single one that you could find would be 
their schedule or the routines mm. or those mm. habits that they had ingrained, right? Mm. So I'm going to give a process, okay? So I started to aggregate some learning from people, and I started teaching this on campuses, and I would teach it in the dorm systems and the Greek systems, all these universities, not with people I worked with, yeah. but just as a community service, like how do you get good grades or how do you find yeah. a career job or whatever. So I'm going to distill that lesson down into this, um, and I'm going to give three really basic steps. The first thing is determine what success looked like go out 10 years, maybe 20, whatever. But write down where do you see yourself in 20 years, okay? Mm -hmm. So economically, relationally, socially, f family, health, like all the things that are important, just write them down, mm. okay? That's step one. So at least have an idea where you'd like to be. According to a Harvard study, I think you're 10 times more likely to attain that if you write it down yeah. and, and 10x that yeah. if you share it with someone else, right? I think that's yeah. the numbers. Yeah, yeah. Whatever yeah. it is, yeah. but just the fact that you, you that you write it down. Yeah, begin with the end in mind. Yep. Right. So yep. the second part of that is, now here's what was interesting. For each one of those, so let's say I want to be married, okay, or I want to have kids. For most people, not all, that would be one of those things that would be on that list, Right. So then what I want you to do, the next step is to write down all the skills or qualities that you need to be successful at it. <laughs> okay, so what are all the attributes of having a successful marriage or doing well as a pro athlete or mm -hmm. being a top salesperson, right? And as you write down skills and qualities, what you'll find and really prompt yourself to get at least 20 for each, it will probably be about 70 or 80% qualities or character, maybe 20 or 30% skills. And you'll start to see, oh, what really matters is developing character or qualities, mm -hmm. not just skill set. You need the skill set, but you probably wouldn't be in college if you didn't have the skill. Mm -hmm. So that didn't determine success. You probably wouldn't mm -hmm. make the football team if you didn't have the ability, right? Right, right. So, okay. So I'm going to look and say, well, okay, now, so that's step two. Step three then is how do I build in to my daily and weekly life those things that will build those character attributes or those skill set, right? So here's a methodology to approach that. It's very simple. Take a big sheet of paper or a big um, whiteboard. And put today's date in the upper left. And in the bottom right, put the end of a season, whatever that season is. In school, it would be the end of the semester, the end of the quarter, right? Mm -hmm. In a sales, it may be the end of the year, it may be the end of the month, right? Whatever you want to do. And then take all the things that you, that are scheduled that you need to do and put them on that board or on that sheet of paper, or you could probably do it on an iPad, but, and get a visual of what you need to do. And you'll look at your schedule and go, holy moly, the third week, I've got like three midterms mm -hmm. and I've got the intramural championship and I've got, right, and it's my mom's birthday <laughs> and my girlfriend, I scheduled this, oh no. And you're like, ah, what do I need to do? Well, I probably need to move some of the studying from that week to the week before. 
And maybe I call my mom and say, hey, mom, we're going to do a special thing, but we're going to move it to the end of the month because, you know, whatever, right? Because you get a visual, you see it, and we're visual. Okay. Now, the key is what I found is the next step, and that is every Sunday night, you look at that week, and you write out a schedule for what you're going to do for that week. Mm-hmm. But leave some variable time, like Thursday and Friday, because things will shift. And then build your schedule for the week. That's a good idea. Here's where the rubber meets the road. I look at it on Tuesday night, and I readjust for Wednesday, Thursday, and I look at it again Thursday night, and I adjust for Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So there's a process of, I know where I want to be 10 years from now. I know who I Hmm. need to become in order to do it. Hmm. Now, next step, what do I need to do this week, and then what do I need to do the next two days? And in that, the furthest you can get off is two days. Right. That makes sense. Like Sunday night, I say I'm going to do Monday and Tuesday. Okay, I blew it Mm. for whatever reason. But that's why I don't look at necessarily taking the whole week Hmm. because you either have a good week or a bad week. Have a good day or two or bad day or two, but but reset, Hmm. right? So that process of on Sunday night getting away, saying, what do I need to do for the week? Lay out my schedule based on looking at the week and I can visually see it. And say, okay, what do I need to prioritize? Mm. Right. Mm. So, mm. it it was a defined process. Mm. That's good. It's not the process. No, but it's one that works. That's awesome. Well, yeah. we do the Sunday night, for mm-hmm. the most part. That's Sunday our nights. yep yep. Calendar review. But the Tuesday Thursday. Yeah, that's good. Is good. That's good. Quick little it gives check you resets. In. Yeah. Yep yep. How about throughout the day? Do you do you do you have a time? Do you have time blocks throughout a day? I do. Okay. You want to get into that? I, I mean, you I'm, want to go that specific. I mean, I'm just, happy to. Yeah, I mean, I I think your point is well, well taken. That, yeah, one just wants to stand out, but the point is well taken that that where you spend your time and energy consistently compounds over time. Correct. So it's it's really a compound effect that is you know, or the slide edge by Jeff Olson. He writes yes. a great book called The Slide Edge and. Uh, I call it the eighth wonder of the world, the compound effect, where it's it's like you do these things. What I love about the fact you've had two jobs is, Adrian, well, you're on your third now. <laughs> I've been fired from three jobs, so more jobs than Jeff's had in the last 40 years. And it, but it was a number of years ago, early, <laughs> my teens, 19, Argosy Tours. You were learning. Yeah, yeah. You were learning. Little Caesars. You know, old spaghetti factory. They scheduled me for a husky game. I said, "You could schedule me." <laughs> <laughs> That's not happening. Yeah, I'll be at the game. And so, but there's there's time blocks, right? When you when you put certain time, and I think when you're in a sales and productive role, mm-hmm. it's we call it DPT at ProStar, which is dedicated prospecting time, where it's like you turn off the phone, you turn off everything. Peter Drucker talks about the the idea and the effective executive. I love where he says. I tell Adrian this from time to time, and I love it when she's here when I tell the story. But he says there's like his best, most productive energy is like 7 to 11. So Monday through Thursday, 7 to 11, everything shut down. And his secretary at the time had strict orders. The only calls they got through were if the president of the United States called or his wife called. And he said, the president didn't call very often, and my wife knew better. <laughs> and so it's alignment as yeah. well, right? So I want sure. to hear the time blocks, but also as you've been married for 30-some years, you, you've had three ki- you have three kids, and you've been very involved in their lives and their development. How do you effectively gain alignment mm. to the things that you're going to do so that everybody's on the same page as to this is why he does the things that he does so he can be the most effective 
for our family, for our company, for, for his role as a manager or leader. So one of the things I really appreciate about you guys um, that's evidenced in this, this format is you're really being accountable really with each other. Mm. It's, it's actually quite a beautiful thing. Like this mm. is probably some of the best marriage counsel I've ever seen played out live mm. because either you, you've got to be a total fraud, <laughs> <laughs> inauthentic, which you're not because you're both very authentic. Mm. So then it would be clear to those watching or even listening, I think like, hmm, those two are kind of in step. Mm. They must kind of be in the same page, right? Mm. So this seems to be working for them, and they're really living it out actually as a couple, mm. which is, if there are only one takeaway from this whole time, this is the most important point actually, mm. because if you two are in That's sync, so nice. thank you. If you two are in sync, mm. it, things will work out. Yeah. You may be, you know, rich and have the house on the top of the hill or porches or porch church mouse, but doubtful, mm. but you're going to be sync in sync with each other. Mm. And you're not going to have one looking over the shoulder at the other going, how'd we get here? Mm. How'd that happen? Mm. Cause you've been deciding together, mm. right? So you're doing this, the conversations mm. that you're saying, we do this or we live by that to me are probably the most important principle of this mm. whole time. Mm -hmm. Because if this is right amongst you, you know your kids are, are good because they sure. find security in mom and dad being on the same page, mm. right? So um, I, I do have a scheduled Thank notion you. for That's you. Awesome. But yeah. I just want to encourage that it's actually this that will work out over time. All the others are meaningful tips, right? Mm. But if the, if the marriage isn't good and mm -hmm. it, the, you know, working out is, I'm like really for not, <laughs> right? Right. Does it make sense? Sure. So mm. anyways, give mm. you a ton of credit. I'll give you a time block um, idea. So I take this notion Sunday night and I look at my week and I schedule, I'm, I'm typically three weeks out is what I do. Mm. So I do a rolling three weeks of, mm. but not every hour is filled three weeks in advance, but a lot of them are, mm -hmm. and it's pretty scheduled. Then as things happen, because they do, so with kids, if one of the kids gets sick mm -hmm. or something happens at school, you have to have some flexibility in there to say the best laid plans of mice and men, I, I lay it out, but it's not mm -hmm. always going to stay that way. That, mm -hmm. and, and so then the question is, how quickly can you readjust to what you said you want to do? So, so Sunday night, I'm looking at the week, but I'm also realizing I'm scheduling three weeks out in advance. Okay, so that by mm. itself, to have the discipline. So come back to accountability. And I was levering mm. on that with you guys in your mm. relationship. You're being accountable because you're saying this in front of a large audience and they're hearing it. And mm. so, you know, later <laughs> at dinner, like, honey, are we really doing that? <laughs> We're talking in this like, yeah, we are doing that. Right. Mm. So in my case related to schedule, having someone that has a view into what you say you're going to do relative to the goals that you set forth. Could be your manager, could be a coach, right? Could be a peer, right? It could be someone you work out with it. But do you actually have that accountability or that relationship mm. of someone that can help you stay on, which you guys do right mm. here because you're evidencing it. Um, and for me, as John, you know, who sets up my schedule, there's a lot of 
uh, she has 24 seven access to my calendar. Right. Okay. Right. And she sees all things I'm doing and knows and understands the overall priorities we have in marriage and with our family and, you know, Kairos and work and mm -hmm. so on. So she's seeing the big picture, but I'll give you just a few little thoughts. Okay. So, um, I try and have two meetings a day that I don't ascribe most people should do what I do, by the way. So what I'm going to tell you <laughs> is probably overkill because I'm really selfish. I'm very focused. I'm relentlessly mm -hmm. persistent. Mm -hmm. I seem nice and underneath I've got this, yep. like hit my goals, my objectives. So I have to have an antidote to that. Mm -hmm. So I try and have two meetings every day set up that are absolutely not about me or anything I can get. Hmm. I have no upside that I can pin to it. Now, at the same time, I want it to be something where I think I can add value for that person, hmm. but it doesn't have any correlation to my business, right? It may be helping a ministry. It may be helping someone get funding. Someone's in a career job search, whatever. And it yeah. doesn't really have a tie. Hmm. So I don't suggest most people take what I would say, I have 11 hours a week set aside to do that. Mm -hmm. I don't think most people need that much, but I do hmm. because I'm so focused. Yeah, yeah. Right? It helps yeah. me That's to good. be not all about me. Mm. Okay. So that said, um, Stephanie knows that in setting up my schedule that I always try and start the day with a really easy one that I know I'm going to enjoy. <laughs> yeah. And I try and end the day that way yeah. too. So if I have the opportunity to set up my schedule, then I actually want to be thoughtful around even not just when I meet, mm. but with whom I meet mm. and what the schedule is. Mm. Okay, now this goes back to my door-to-door -door thing. So I, was so I know if I'm meeting you in the middle of the day, <laughs> it's going to be a tough one. No, there's actually something to... I don't meet very many people in the middle of the day because that's my uninterrupted right. heads down... Okay. Time. Yeah, yeah. I do a couple to start the day, yeah. and then I put my head down and I go to work, and I may have someone that I know and like at the end of the yeah. day. Yeah. Okay, but so that's good. kind of I go to the office, and now I'm into all the stuff that we got to do. Um, I try and never schedule two really hard ones back to back. So if mm -hmm. you're doing sales calls, right? Are you doing reviews of employees, or or you're a coach and you're working? Okay try and look at that you're not dreading the next two meetings or three meetings in a row, right? right? Try and stack them in a way that you can be thoughtful around who you're seeing mm -hmm. that you actually, so every night as I look at who am I meeting, what do I need to wear based on where I'm going to be? Cause my job's really variable. I could show up. We have a couple of businesses we own. Uh, one of them is um, in the laundry business, hospital linen business. Mm -hmm. And if I showed up, like this, they would be like, what are you selling? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who are you? But if I was to show up to meet the banker yeah. that's mm -hmm. banking that business, I may have a different attire on. Mm -hmm. So I even have to think about, you know, who do, I, who do I meet? So I look at the schedule the night before, and almost inevitably, my first meeting is someone I'm like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> it's John. Yeah. That's good. Instead of, oh. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. So just yeah. literally yeah, in great. time blocking, it's a great how tip. do you set up people? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you find what's that cadence or rhythm that works for you that stays pretty consistent, mm-hmm. whether it's your prospecting time. And I would say, and people don't understand, by the way, how many people prospect, because let me give you a quick story. Our son-in-law is, uh, I love dearly, he's amazing, and he's a, a surgeon, and he was uh he's the team surgeon for the golden knights the nhl team <laughs> right so he got a stanley cup ring this year it's kind of cool like, that is awesome. but he had been a pro hockey player okay. so for him this is a dream come oh, true yeah. Yeah, right awesome. so oh, yeah. he told me he's made two over 250 cold calls in las vegas where he practiced <laughs> to dentist to go get referrals now he's a surgeon with the golden knights and he's out cold calling on dentists to go get business. So t- awesome. sometimes we think, oh, I wish I had that job. I'd never have to. Yeah. That's he, awesome. Right? He's driving That's the business. Awesome. Right? He's out there making it happen. So um, not everybody has the flexibility. It depends uh, what you do. But I think if you look at your day and you break it into certain chunks of different activities, and you can start it well and end it well, mm-hmm. it makes it a little bit more palatable to kind of stay in the game. Mm-hmm. So. That's awesome. You know, we, uh, yeah, just having the cadence of turning things off and consistently doing it. Do you ever get burned out? Um, so I, I will tend to be. How, really, how do you manage your energy? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I will tend to be transparent. Like you can ask me anything and I'll probably answer on the podcast. So I'm in counseling right now of how to be a better dad. Mm. Okay. Mm. So I've got a guy, I think he's phenomenal. He's faith aligned with me. And as a matter of fact, he, he told me I was his last counseling appointment before he took a month sabbatical, which including going surfing in Nicaragua. And then awesome. they were having a baby. He's a great guy. He goes, because I want to save one I'd like <laughs> to end up going into my sabbatical. He goes, because you're not that hard. Yeah. Like, it's not terrible. But, but our, our daughters came to, to me and just said, you know, at times, Dad, we feel like um, we're a pastor's kid mm-hmm. because you're always about doing stuff for everyone else. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they're over here going, what about me? Mm-hmm. Right? So that's to say... Mm-hmm. This can all sound good, mm. then the authenticity of saying, but it's not always easy. Mm. And life can pull, and um, I can get out of whack, I can get my priorities wrong. And so I've brought my wife. So it's thankfully, it's not marriage counseling. <laughs> in this right. round, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And I advocate counseling because having yeah, that yeah. third party, but by the way, Data would show that, uh, and you can look this up. Of course, you can find data to say anything. But um, <laughs> those that go to individual counseling that are married, your odds of getting divorced go up. Huh. Hmm. So if you have counsel, you should have it together because huh. they need to hear both sides. Mm. So that's yeah, just that's one good. little side note. Yeah, um, so, but on this parenting, my wife comes with me. So, because I want that accountability, yeah, right? Totally. I want to work on the things that mm. need to be worked on. And not and have some objectivity into the the voices that are being you know what's being spoken. So yeah, at times 
I get completely overwhelmed. Mm. As a matter of fact, I was talking to a well-known pastor. I won't say his I won't say his name in this region, but he's got a big, big church. Mm-hmm. And he he said to me, you know, I have imposter syndrome. Mm. Mm. Because he's like, at times mm. people really think I know what I'm doing. Because mm. I really have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> but he does, because he's following sure. what he thinks God's asked him to do, and yeah. he's doing the best. But he goes, as our organization has grown like crazy, I've had to I've had to terminate or fire a bunch of people that I'd hired because they were right for when we were back there, but not for where we are today. Mm. And he said, my wife came up to me and said, are we going to have any friends left? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He yeah. said, that's hard. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have it all figured out. So it's yeah. not like, oh, I've been married 36 years and I've got it all figured out. No, 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 no. Mm. But mm. process works, systems work, accountability works, right? Mm-hmm. But life is dynamic and you you figure out how to recalibrate based on as your work changes or your health changes mm-hmm. or your family dynamics change. Yeah. So I'm now then laid out with Stephanie saying, I need to be more active with my kids. Mm. So please help me build in and don't let me schedule yeah. around it. So a few weeks ago on a Friday, I looked at my calendar Thursday night and I had eight one hour meetings on Friday and set, and I was like, okay, the, okay, let's go. Yeah. And there were some intense meetings. And that morning I got up, got ready and I looked at my calendar and there were seven meetings canceled. I had one coffee meeting. <laughs> I'm like what happened? And I went to the office and I said, Steph, and she just looked at me and, and I kind of got teary. She goes, you just needed, you needed some time. You were, you were just overdoing it and you need to go have some fun. And God bless her. She could see in me that even though I know better, she canceled those meetings. Mm. Right. Mm. So I think we need what you guys are doing Mm. here. You need that coach. You need that mentor. You Mm -hmm. need that friend that will tell you the truth, Mm -hmm. right. To help you, even though you may know all this stuff, are you actually living it out? Yeah. And I think you need the humility to be able to stop and say, am I, when you're looking back at it, am I being realistic? Am I actually living the way that I wanted to, the way that I said I was going to? Mm. You don't mm. have the courage to look at it. Mm. Yeah. Honey, I'm That's sorry. Make a difference. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. No, it's good. Um, it's what Amy and I talked about, by the way, as I was coming up to the studio. Mm. It's just the number of events that we have stacked in the evenings mm. and they're all purposeful. They're supporting this nonprofit and that ministry and this board and almost all of it was non-work, mm-hmm. right? But all of a sudden, are we taking time with those that we value the most? Mm. Mm. Where my kids would go is I would always drag them along, but it, so they were with me and we were together, but it really wasn't about what they wanted to do. It's what I wanted to do. Mm. And then they were there. Mm-hmm. Mm. So that's good. Yeah, that's good. So you have three daughters. Yes. So do we. So do we. Advice for raising daughters. Ours are younger. Yours are now all ours are engaged in the marketplace. Right. They're all you in their. Son. They're all in their career. Uh, married. One. Okay. Our oldest is married. So you got one son-in-law. We do. Preston. Okay. Yeah. The surgeon. On. 
And uh, the they're cold both calling. The cold calling surgeon. That's right. They're both pretty intense, uh, a little sparky in a good way. They help each other grow. Nice. Sure, I do have one counsel, but it's advice is too strong a word. But it comes from a friend of mine, so I don't take any credit for him. He has three daughters, three grown daughters. And if I told you vocationally what they're doing in their family scenario, you would say, wow, that mom and dad did a great job. Mm. These kids are really doing well. And he said, continue to pursue them their whole life. Mm. And so what you're going to have happen likely is in seasons, they're going to step away. Right. So if you could see this, right, if you're this close and they step away, he said, go there again. Mm. Don't go here, Mm -hmm. but don't stay here. Mm. What Amy's worked with me on, and this is part of why I'm seeing this gentleman that I think is fabulous, is, okay, what things for them do they like to do Mm -hmm. that's in their world versus those things that are necessarily what I want to do? So how can I pursue them around what it is Mm. that they enjoy doing? Mm. And I haven't totally sorted that out but i have a date with um our middle daughter two dates this weekend one friday night she and i are going out uh to dinner together and there's a fun story there where we got a each a custom clothing item made that is different but kind of matching and we're (laughs) so we're going out on a date to wear these outfits because she really loves fashion so that's her world yeah right and then Saturday night, we're going to the unveiling of a new Aston Martin at an event because she knows <laughs> I like cars. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. really cool. Right? So we're each kind of doing something, Yeah, I think, with the others. So, you know, how do we pursue them around mm. what it is that mm. they like to do? But the counsel is, is, is kids grow they're going to necessarily step away. Mm. And that can be really disconcerting, I'll just say, as a dad. Mm. And then, like, well, what do you do? Because that independence is natural, right? Mm -hmm. And this friend Chuck said, just kind of step with them. Mm -hmm. Don't don't get too close, but also don't just hang there and go, well, I guess this is now she's 14 and she's on her own, right? (laughs) No. That's good. Yeah. That would be my one thing. Our oldest turns 14 in November. (laughs) Right, and you start to see We met this morning for 15 minutes. Monday morning mindset. With Malibu. And then she shared her gratitude with me. She did? Yeah. When I, nice. Yes. Nice. Now, don't get me wrong. This is like the first of the Monday mornings with Malibu. So anybody listening, this isn't like I've had this locked in. But this morning, <laughs> um, I could, Adrian and I, actually, I, we, it, you'd talked to her about kind of daily disciplines. And so really, and I've talked to you a little bit about this, but we're starting this LTP Academy to teach yes. kids. Um, Love this. Soft skills that they're not teaching necessarily in school. And one of them is a mindset of just daily habits uh, that are simple and actionable. So gratitude, um, the ordering of your day and the mm-hmm. visualization of your day, like you described, you do in the evening. And probably when you get up, you look at it again. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, you know, exercise, the X factor. So exercise, sleep, water, you know, things like that. And so she gets a big water bottle. What were her gratitude items? Do you remember? J.K. Rowling. Okay. She's a the huge Harry Potter, Potter fan. <laughs> uh, her family. Mm. And I can't remember. That's okay. But here's one thing. That's I awesome know that you did that. 
That's great. Yeah. yeah. So that was 15 minutes. I had the list. We went through it. And, uh, I know she, it's on her list. She's I don't up her early. Goals for the day. And you know the goals. <laughs> but I, I, the last so, thing. Adrian, by the ahead. way, that's the same thing we just talked about, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Wh- where do you want to be? Yep. Right? Yeah. Well, what good. we did uh, is we wrote a relationship mission statement. So I did a Stephen Covey. It's funny. I wasn't Zig, but I was trying to lead this small group in the summer. I'm like, everybody in this church is going to come to my Stephen Covey seven. I mean, I was like 11 when I read Covey's book the first time. Okay. And out of necessity, really, I felt like uh, I was you know, tough for seven, eight years and my mother in and out of the psych ward. And, and I always wanted to be a, a good advocate for mom as an only child. I mean, dad came over, fired one bullet on a Thursday afternoon while grandma and grandpa were at Black Lake Bible College, and here I am. I mean, my mom uh, having kids was not, you know, like part of the master plan. And so I, I felt it's a need. Somebody's master, somebody's master plan. Say, yeah, 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 yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't a human. And, and so, and actually that's going to lead us into where I, I, I want to I ask a question on. But this idea of Stephen Covey, I, I'm leading this group, Stephen Covey, remember when we were first married, mm-hmm. Seven Habits, Five Effect People, and it's going to be awesome. Like three people showed up week one. I'm like, they don't have any idea. I've read this book like 77 times. Like I know it front and back. Like I am going mm-hmm. to change people's lives. We're going to get after it. <laughs> Nobody said. with the end in mind, right? And, but begin with the end in mind, right? And so what we did when we first got married, or no, when we were dating. We were dating. We yeah. still have it. When we were dating, we created a relationship mission statement, and we put it down on paper. And... You know, so often you talk about, you laid out vision for Legato and 50 emerging leaders and five companies in five years. Like that work of laying out what we're trying to accomplish with this. And in marriage, we were just talking about this the other day, our vows, right? You you commit to some things, mm-hmm. sickness and health, for better, for worse, you know, to death do his part. And, and what I don't know is always how to vet the quality of sincerity, Right, because some people will say something because it sounds good, mm-hmm. and and some people will say something because they mean it, and and I don't know exactly always how to vet that out except to watch it play out. Right, but you are clearly in what you're doing um, with your family. You're living it out. You're like I'm committed. I will leave no stone unturned as it pertains to my relationship with my kids and my ability to be a great dad. My ability to, you know, mm-hmm. I remember Mason Rutledge came to the hospital when Canyon was born. Mm-hmm. And so our 10-year-old, who I still owe a trip to the ranch, and even in our family meeting last night, the only thing we didn't hit on was the dates for me to, he wants to go to the horse ranch. When the girls turn 10, daddy takes them on a trip. When Tiger turns 10, mommy takes them on a trip. And so, um, and so we, didn't, we didn't figure it out. But Mason brought us a, a binky and a book, and the book was How to Be a Better Dad Today. Wow. And I love... Wow, good for Mason. That's I, awesome. And, and so... We're close to his home right here. We are. We're in his stomping grounds. <laughs> we are. I was thinking that as I was home, driving in. Home of, home of the seagulls. We'll poop on you, you know, <laughs> Everett High School, for those who don't know. And so... But you integrate your faith into the marketplace. That's what I want to make sure that we touched on. Sure. And, okay. and have done it for a long period of time to have an organization um, that helps you know, bring together Christian business Mm -hmm. leaders. But it's not, in my experience, it's not, uh, everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome at one accord. Everybody's welcome in your presence. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And and everybody is, 
at the same time, you're very um, clear and unmistakable about your faith, and mm. and also the marketplace and the ministry and how those two things can work together to further, you know, your 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 faith and better the world. Mm-hmm. So give us some thoughts in the end, you know, kind of where you Kairos potentially, where you, um, yeah, where you had the vision to to lead in such a way because it takes courage takes favor. You talked about grace before we got going on this podcast. I concur. But I, I, I got to bet it's not always easy either. You probably no. going to bear some pain. You probably. Probably. I mean, I That's a theory. Ecclesiastes says <laughs> it rains in the just and the unjust. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's hard to sort out. You know, Job was getting mm. criticized by all his friends, right? Mm. They're like, oh, you must be doing this wrong or that wrong. And um you know, if you read mm. that story, no, he wasn't, mm. right? Mm. It just happened to him. I mean, in the sense of God's sovereignty, it's hard to sort out everything, but he had to trust that he wasn't even part of what the problem was. Right. Most often I look and I go, well, I'm part of the problem. I see why <laughs> this is going like this, because it's something I did or didn't do in alignment with what was the right thing to do. Mm. I've usually missed Sometimes retrospectively. So I'll give you just a little background uh, for what it's worth, but you can ask me anything. Mm. And, and viewers, could you could give them my contact and the, yeah. and the thing, and they can send me a note. I, I would say it this way, that this is my old stomping ground, too. So I grew up in Edmonds, not far from right. here. Mm. And being a sports guy, we were in Wesco. Yeah, right. Yeah. So Everett Mariner at Cascade were in our league, and yeah. so was Snohomish, and we always got destroyed in football by the big Snohomish yeah, kids. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember one of my first games. Kurt Marsh was in that game, mm. and uh, he went on to be, you know, an All Husky and yep. All Pro, and yep. so on. But this is my old stomping ground. As I would come up to Everett in high school, I was an atheist. I was not an agnostic. Now. In some respects, people could suggest that an atheist might be closer to faith than someone who's agnostic because you're thinking about it. And you believe in something, yeah. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. I believe in nothing being something or something. Right, but I at least thought about it. Yep, yep. My best friend in high school was John Tymon. John was the head of Young Life. Hmm. So pretty funny that he and I, we were skiing buddies. And he died my senior year of cancer. He was, he was class president and, wow. and all around just an amazing guy. And I think about this now being a parent. You had this kid that was just this great kid that loved, loved the Lord and mm. would lead young life. And he brought two guys to speak to us in high school that were like not known at that time, a guy named Steve Largent and the other guy, Jim Zorn. And he set him <laughs> up to come talk to us. And I'm Zorny. like, oh, yeah. I'll go listen to those guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? And... Nothing. I mean, it, it even at his memorial didn't ever really hit me mm-hmm. about faith. Wow. So, well, I could share the story about faith and that hmm. process, which was a distinct moment back in that job where I sold books door to door. And that's why I stayed in it for 20 years, because that's where I became a Christian. Hmm. And then I knew in my work, many, many people would also have that same experience of what matters? Who am I? Why am I here? Because you're isolated, you're alone. Mm. So it caused me to dig and eventually settled on that faith is real. But, I mean, this is a simple logic tree. There either is a God or not. Mm. Right? I mean, there's no, I can't make him to be who I want. Well, here's Mm. who I think God is. That's actually not really relevant. Mm. 
if he if he she right is God, then I don't determine what God is. That's God by design, right? So either is or isn't. So if there is, then I thought, well, this which one is true, like of all these different religions and Christianity was the only one that was different than every other to me as I looked at it because every other was a set of rules with kind of rules and consequence. And this Jesus character said, you can't live by the rules. You're not very good at it. I don't care which one you pick. You can't do it. I gave you 10 in the Old Testament. You couldn't even do the 10, right? So he made provision to say, I take that on. And as I read and I studied that life, I'm like, huh. So it's an exchange for what I can't do. He paid that price. So there either is a God or not. There either is a Jesus or not. And he actually either resurrected or he didn't. Mm. If he didn't, he was kind of a nut because he ran around saying he's God. But if he did resurrect three days later and actually came back, I'm like, okay, no one else has done that one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Then maybe he is who he says. Mm. So I started to read and explore scripture and I'll, I'll tie it into marketplace work I do now but I started to read and it, it really just basically says do what you do do it unto the Lord do what love the process mm-hmm. pro start do whatever you do mm-hmm. so I started to as I read and I study um, Paul for example you know Paul took to, I think Silas and Timothy, maybe some others along the way, but he basically told people, stay where you are in Corinth and and live under the Lord doing what you do, being a teacher, being at home, being a band director, right, being a business owner, whatever it is. And, and so I started to say, oh, he's calling us to be bivocational, mm. right? In other words, he didn't take very many people with them formally into the ministry. He says, you're all in the ministry. Okay, so I'm going to fast forward. I start a company in 2000. The market crashes 2001. I had 16 employees. I didn't know what to do. We're losing 50000 a month. I'm writing checks going, do I keep this thing going or not? And I was lost. And I found another believer that I didn't know was a believer. And I asked the question, why didn't I know that Kevin was a believer? And then I asked, well, how would I know? He was a venture capitalist. I had this company, professional services firm. Like, I don't know how we would know. And so I asked the question, should we know? Hmm. That led to starting Kairos, which is trying to bring the faith community together, saying we should know each other, Mm -hmm. Hmm. right? Back to relationship, Mm -hmm. not for transaction. Mm -hmm. Transactions will come and go out of it, that's for sure. But we should actually know each other as a community, and we should learn to stand together and support people in what they're called to do, right? So Kairos today has had over 5,000 people attend. There's meetings every month. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting, it's all run by volunteers. Mm -hmm. Let me back up. There is someone that provides admin support. She deserves a ton of credit. But the actual work of running these and the speakers that are every month is on a volunteer basis of all business people. But the idea is, how do you bring the business community together, one, in relationship, and two, to understand that everything we do is ministry all the time. Mm -hmm. When I started seeing that I Mm. don't go into ministry, Mm -hmm. Mm. I'm in it. Yeah. (laughs) Like... Everything we do. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. oh, now our family works in Uganda. Come and on. My wife started a, a 
schools and with my sister Julie, that Julie runs the ministry now. That's really important. That's great. It says care for the widows and orphans. I live in Bellevue. You don't see too many when you go out the door. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to go to Uganda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You don't have to go far. I can go right out here and I can probably find some to help. Mm -hmm. No question. So, well, that's true. And that's great to work in Uganda or wherever you're called to go. I think it denigrates the bulk of our day if we don't see everything we do throughout the day as ministry also. Mm. So it totally reframed me to say, okay, then the way I do business matters. Now, I'll just kind of end this portion at least on that. Mm. It's really hard. We've been blessed to put an investor group together. We've acquired Mm. through, over time, eight different companies that are in the Northwest. And it is extraordinarily difficult. And I think perhaps because we're over in our faith, um, and not, by the way, these companies aren't Christian companies, they're companies. Mm -hmm. And we don't come in and say we're Christians, Mm -hmm. right? We're just trying to run good businesses. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you'll see activities that because you do have that faith that you can't let pass. And I'm going to give you an example, then I'll wrap up. So we're working, we own a company that we found about 25% of the labor force are undocumented workers. Mm used to be called something else, but they don't have papers to work. Mm-hmm. So we can't keep them. They're some of our best workforce. Mm-hmm. We're talking a lot of people who are great families, great people, yeah. Yeah. and they're cousins and nieces and nephews of people who are documented that work at our company, mm-hmm. right? They're family members, mm-hmm. and we have to terminate them. Now, we mm-hmm. tried to do it in a very just way, But Immigration and Naturalization Service would actually make someone go behind some bars if you didn't do the right thing eventually, right? Mm -hmm. So there's really no choice in this. The irony is those employees are working for our competitors now. (laughs) And we're wondering where some of our margin went in the business. I know exactly where it went. Yeah. Because we have higher labor costs compared to our competitors who are now taking business from us Mm. because they can lower the price on the same thing we do. Mm. But what's the right thing to do? Yeah. Hmm. Now, what I'd like to do is help those undocumented to become documented, Mm -hmm. right? To provide ESL classes, to provide mechanisms for them over time, Mm -hmm. right? That they're going to retain with us because we've cared for them. But in the moment, living out our faith wasn't an easy choice. Mm -hmm. It had a cost Mm -hmm. and it's difficult. Mm. And now to go to investors saying we're not hitting the numbers we projected because of our labor costs are out of line. That's tough, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not always easy. And it's not Mm. always, sometimes you're in the muck going, and I don't have an answer yet. (laughs) By the way, I wish I could say I have an answer. But (laughs) my next meeting, right, if I looked at my phone, is probably saying we have a board call urgently Right now, see right there? See what it says, right? Like I did, it's not accepted yet, right? Because it came in as I'm on here. Yeah. Saying we have an emergency board meeting because of that right now. But after I'm done, then I'll jump on. So it's real. <laughs> That's good stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. It, it's it's real. So Adrian, you, you you usually wrap us up. Speaking of wrapping up, this has been so good. Such good nuggets and wisdom. We oh. very, really appreciate two pages. The, the two pages of notes tells me 
It's been good. Oh, that's so nice. Okay, so first off, how do people get it? How do people get at you? People have questions. They want to reach out to you. Sure. The easiest way is to email me because from there, which is Jeff, J E F F dot Rogers, R O G E R S, at one accord dot co. So no com. So Jeff dot Rogers at one accord co. And I'll pick it up from there. And I answer my own emails. By the way, in LinkedIn, back to this, because I only have people I have met personally. There's no one in there. So once I meet someone, then they can connect on LinkedIn because that's a good way job-wise yep, to yeah. kind of stay connected. But totally. I don't know why I'd connect to a bunch of people I don't know. <laughs> it just yeah. seems odd to me. Anyway, so you I can email it. me. Awesome. Okay, last question that I Please. like to ask our guests. If you have one thing you want to share, what would it be? Um, can I qualify the question? Of course. Okay. Would you want that in a faith construct or more broadly? Whatever you want to share with our audience. Because the I, one I thing would, you want them to know. Yeah. The one thing I say is always true of Scripture. Mm. Mm. And I'm just knowing it, um, mm. especially the if you want to dig in, you know, the, the Gospels, but get a red-letter Bible, read the red letters, what Jesus mm. said. Mm. I think a lot of culture says, here's about Christians or whatever, and they're confusing man from what, the Savior Himself said, hmm. yeah. and I would study what what Jesus said would be my Mr. Marriott one thing. You ever heard the story of Mr. Marriott's briefcase? No. So he left it in the penthouse. He'd always stay in the penthouse suite when he traveled to hotels and see how things were running. And so he leaves his briefcase and he calls back. Somebody calls back says Mr. Marriott left his briefcase, and so the bellman is tasked with going up and getting this briefcase and. Everybody's like, I wonder what's in Mr. Marriott's briefcase. What's in there? What's in there? You got to take a look. If it's open, take a look. You know, and they used to have that, you know, you could lock yeah. them and, uh, back then. And sure enough, the kid had the audacity. And the only thing that was in Mr. Marriott's briefcase was scripture. Yeah, and and, and yeah. uh, it's what I've, what I've been told. And they, they've done okay. They've done okay. And, and, then, and then secondly, you know, uh, on that point, it, because it is translatable to the marketplace, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Zig Ziglar said to yeah, us yeah. In our, in our, when we were together, yeah. he goes, look at how Jesus, if you want the best sales manual ever, yeah. get a red letter version of the Bible. I yeah. remember when he said this to us, <laughs> right? My cousin, there's a song called The Red Letters. My cousin's like, cuz, this is for you. Yeah. But he, the, yeah. he said, look, here's yeah. why. He goes, Jesus answered every question with either a question yeah. or a story, a parable. Yeah. yeah. He never answered like in the way they expected, right? Mm-hmm. He yeah. goes, so look at, if you want the best sales manual, and he was talking to a group of students who are mostly non-believers from the UW that I worked with, but yeah. to the point. I, I just would Love say it. over time, yeah. it's true. It applies to every area of your life. Mm. There's lots of other things that are great tips, but if someone only had that one thing as their takeaway, yeah. like schedule's important and starting your day well is important. But if you, I think if you read through scripture, you'll start to learn all those things. Like in the Proverbs, mm. it will tell you those things, right? <laughs> yeah. Those are things that are laid out in Proverbs. Yeah. It's not like we created them. So. Coach, Coach Wooden drank deeply of great books, especially the Bible, mm-hmm. one of the seven daily points. So, uh, okay, scripture's real. Study it. The red letters especially. I like to say I'm a gullible gullible reader of the Bible. There you go. Do you think, because you don't, you don't need a, you don't need an expert, I guess is the point. 
Somebody's asking me, remember about journals this morning? It's like, hey, what journal should I get? I'm like, the one you use, you know? Like, <laughs> it's like, which version of the Bible is the best? Well, I'll be the one you read, you know? So great advice. Love That's that. awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to the Love the Process podcast. You can find us anywhere you listen to your podcasts. And hey, I want to do a special shout out to our podcast studio at the Teen Storytellers Project, teenstorytellers.org. Check them out. Let's if go. you want to do a podcast or if you just have questions, they have really awesome classes for youth in the Everett area. Thanks so much, Jeff. It's been awesome. It's been an honor. Thank you. Have a great week. Thanks so much for listening to the Love the Process podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. It means so much when you leave us a review and share with your friends. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>